As Jeannie mentioned, um, we kicked off a new year, obviously last week. We kicked off a new series here at Soul City Church where we are looking at our resolutions and we're reframing our good intentions and pointing them in the right direction. We talked about that last week, that lots of times around this time of year we have good intentions to do good things with our lives. We just point them in the wrong direction or we ask the wrong question. And so we decided last week, we committed ourselves to doing this, to asking the type of question that God would lead us to, which is not, what do I want to do this next year, or what do I want to be true about me in 2011, but who has God already created me to be, and in light of that, how will I live? So we start with who God has already created you to be. Now, you may be in touch with that. You may be kind of just checking out the God thing and the God journey, and this is all new to you. You are in a great place to discover who you actually already are created and intended to be. And in light of that, how will this year be more in line with that truth, right? Instead of just throwing darts up on a board of, well, I want to lose 15 pounds. I want to you know, get a job. I wanna... like, what, if, what if we started by saying, no, who has God already created me to be? And out of that, I am going to live that way this year. And so we did this challenge where we said, look, we're going we're gonna to do this every day. We're going to commit to doing this every day. Be together even when we're not physically together. Jeannie mentioned a bit ago, here's what I want you to do. They don't typically tell you to do this in church. I want you to pull out your cell phone right now because I want you to be a part of what God is doing over the course of this month. So if you have a cell phone with you, which is like everyone, uh, go ahead and pull it out right now. And if you haven't already joined up with the uh, revolution, here's what we want you to do. We want you to put in the number 313131. Right, so that's the number that you're going to send the text message to, the SMS, whatever you want to call it, right? You're going to send it to 313131, and then you just, all you have to do in the subject line is one word, Soul City. Don't put spaces, don't feel like you have to capitalize things, no italics necessary, you can't even do that in texting anyway, just one word, Soul City, all right? So as soon as you do that, you should get a message back magically via the uh, AT&T or Sprint or Verizon network that will let you know that you are on and part of the challenge, and you'll get your first challenge tomorrow morning. So one word, Soul City, to 313131, and you will be a part of what we're doing. It's some really cool, some really difficult challenges. Some of us did a, a media fast, a uh, social media fast this last week, so we just disappeared from Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of stuff, so we could focus on what God was trying to say to us. Uh, we did, today's challenge was to serve somebody, a stranger, someone in your neighborhood, someone in your community, that you could do a physical act of just extending God's love to them. Lots of really cool challenges. So you get to join up with what other people are doing all over Chicago, and apparently seven people in Florida are doing. You get to be a part of that with us, okay? So now that you've done that, turn your phone off, put it away, bury it, put it in your shoe, do whatever you have to do to get it away from you from being a distraction, because we want to focus in on what God wants to say to us. And one of the challenges that we did this last week was we committed to learning a verse. It's an ancient prayer, actually. The prayer is called the Shema. It is a central prayer to the Jewish faith. It is one of the first prayers that children would learn in the Jewish faith. By age four, you had this memorized, this prayer. And Jesus was asked a question by a religious leader. The religious leader saw that Jesus was good at debate, good at answering people's questions, redirecting good intentions to the right direction. And so this religious leader asked Jesus in Mark chapter 12, look, if you had to boil it all down to doing just one thing, what would it be? And Jesus responded to him by saying that there's one commandment that is the greatest commandment, and then there's a second one that is just like it. And the challenge last week, if you were here, was to memorize those three verses, Mark 12, 29, 30, and 31. Now, I know some of you are good students, and the rest of you are like me. And so maybe you learned it, maybe you didn't. Here's what we do. We're going to just like extend a grace period, right? You didn't know church was going to be this hard. You didn't know there's going to be gold stars involved. 
it's on, okay? It's like that, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to put it up on the screen, and we're going to read it out loud together. This is to give you a jump start to memorizing what Jesus said is the most important and the second most important commandment. If you had to boil it all down for 2011, this is what you should do. So let's read this together out loud like we actually believe it. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus goes on to say this. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now listen to me, Soul City Church. If you do only these two things in 2011, I guarantee you by the power of God, you will have the best, greatest, most impactful transformational year of your life. If you only commit yourself, forget 15 pounds, forget watching less sports center, forget whatever it is, right? Or more sports center, whatever your thing is, forget that. If you love God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you love others, I guarantee you by the power of God and his word, you will have a transformational year this year. It's that simple, it's that powerful, and it's incredibly hard to do because we are selfish, distracted, lazy people. At least I am. And so we need each other. We need God to hold us accountable to living as he actually created us to live. That's why we're memorizing this verse. That's why we're diving in for the next few weeks. And tonight, we're going to look at what it means to love God with all your heart. What does it mean to love God? What did Jesus mean when he started off, when he quoted, he kind of pulled back. You know, he sampled. He did like a ditty. He pulled back a famous prayer, and he brought it to context. He said, the most important thing is this. Love God with all your, he starts with heart. And what he means by that, and what the ancient prayer of the Shema meant, with all your emotions. What does it mean to love God with all of your emotions? Everything that you are feeling. What does that look like? What does that mean to live an emotionally full, an emotionally healthy, an emotionally centered life? Guys, this is important you listen tonight. I don't know if you know, but word in the street is this doesn't come easy to us. What would it mean for you to say, this year, 2011, I want to live emotionally, fully present with God and others? Girls, ladies, you have less issue with being emotional. (laughs) Maybe sometimes we can bring it back a little bit. What would it mean for you to understand fully? That's what we're going to look at tonight by the, by, through God's word. What does it mean to be fully emotionally present, to love God with all our heart? Not to just be driven by the whims of our emotion, but to understand actually where and what is going on inside our heart. Those of you who are dating or are married in a relationship, maybe, just maybe, you've had a few emotionally intense moments. And what would it look like for you two to understand that there is actually a place where you can come together by the power of God in relationship with God that changes your relationship with each other because you are present with what's going on in your heart. You're able to understand it, to articulate it, to invite God into it. Those of you who have kids, who have families, maybe you were raised in a family that got this right. My hunch is the majority percentage-wise of us in this room, we're not. We were not raised in families where emotions were centered and submitted to God. And what would it look like for you and your family to create a home where the peace of God was present 
because your emotions were fully present with God. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. This is important stuff. If you've ever gotten into a fight, if you've ever found yourself just out of control, surprised by your own emotions, all of a sudden you snap and you say something to that person you never even imagined you could say, but you just said it and now you have to deal with it. Maybe you found yourself overwhelmed with joy and you're in the presence of friends, you're in the presence of family, and you don't even quite fully understand it, but you're kind of crying because you're so happy. I have to explain that to our kids. This happened to us the other day. I was telling Elijah just how much I loved him and, and hearing him laugh, I just started crying. He's like, Okay, you're confusing me, man, because you're saying that you're happy, but you're crying, right? Like, and you've known like, kind of where those things come from, where you just feel surprised or overwhelmed by emotion, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. At late at night, it's, you're overwhelmed by this fear and anxiety that literally sits on your chest, stomping into your chest. Anyone ever felt that before? Where is God? Thank you, Juliet. Where is God in the mix of that? Where is God in the mix of it? This is very deeply important stuff that we learn to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart. Many of us have been overwhelmed by the emotion of love. And we have found our hearts taking the steering wheel of our life and driving us right off the cliff of love. It's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? Sometimes that's followed by the car crash at the bottom of the ravine, (laughs) which is flaming and engulfs the whole... We know, right, all of us have had those things where we've felt deep emotion. What we want to try and understand is, where is God in the midst of that? And what is he inviting us into? Because all of us are teeming with emotion all the time. Guys, even if you think you don't know how to express it, it is inside you, is it not? Girls, no different. We are teeming. It's like our, our hearts are like a hot tub on the back of a rickety old truck in the middle of an earthquake. I mean, there's just emotion all over the place at all times. It is complex what is going on inside our hearts. And psychologists have studied for hundreds of years trying to understand the human heart and to put into words exactly what is going on. And most psychologists would say that there are six primary emotions, and each of those primary emotions have anywhere from three to seven secondary emotions. Each of those secondary emotions have anywhere from five to seven tertiary emotions. And basically, uh, uh, Purdue, the psychology department at Purdue, came up with a list. I want to show you just sort of what's going on at all times inside your heart. That's not it. It's much longer than that. So uh, that's easy. I did, that didn't even, that's not even English. I don't even know if that makes sense. All right. This is what they came up with. These are, they determined at Purdue, the psychology department determined this is what is going on in the human heart. I know you can't even read all of that. Able, adequate, agonized, annoyed, anxious, apprehensive, bewildered, bold, bored. Some of you are feeling that right now. Brave, burdened, calm. calm. They went and created this giant list so that you could understand all of the emotions. Does that help you understand or rein in your emotions in any capacity? No, lists never help us do that. Right? But what they're trying to do is, no, there is a complexity that is going on inside your heart at all times with your emotions that all of us know. So the crazy thing is, while all of that is going on, and God has invited us to love him with all of that, the craziest thing happens when we bump into each other, and we see each other, and we ask each other a very simple question. How are you doing? What's the answer? Good. Fine. Right? There is a teeming sea, a hot tub on top of a rickety truck in the middle of an earthquake full of emotion inside your heart, and you bump into someone. It probably happened to you five times tonight, didn't it? Hey, good to see you. How you doing? I'm good. Good. How about you? Good. Fine. Good. Fantastic. <laughs> That's emotionally full right there. Right? This is what happens, right? Because we have a social contract, because the reality is it is so complex and so deep, we don't even understand it fully ourselves. How can we possibly care about yours. I mean, how can we even get into the complexity of that? And then every now and then you meet someone who actually 
invites you in, and they break the social contract, and you say to them, how are you doing? Not good. I'm hurting, bro. Got a lot of hurt in my heart. And you know, you're like, dude, I'm really just on my way to get a cup of coffee. Didn't know we were going <laughs> to do this right now, you know, and they just invite you in, and they don't care. Hurting, dude. She broke my heart. Still haven't recovered. You know, you're kind of stuck there. Now you, you can't just be like, well, that's great. You can't really move on. You can't say, me too. It's not the same. So you have to engage with them. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even know. When, when did you, I didn't know you were in a relationship. When did you guys break up? Four years ago. But it hurts like last night. You know, you got people who bring you in and you don't know what to do because we, we have a contract. We have an understanding that while there is a complexity of emotion going on, it is not something that we want to probe that often. We don't want to go there because we don't even know how to go there with ourselves, let alone with others, let alone with God. And so we just resolve ourselves to saying, you know, I'm just an emotional person or he's an emotionless person or that's, you know what, that's, that's what we do. We just say, I'm just, it's, I'm, I'm just kind of emotional. We just tell that ship that it has no rudder and it just sort of goes where it goes and that just is what it is. When I lash out, I lash out. When I hit spots of depression or when I hit spots of anxiety, that just is sort of what it is and that's just how it goes. And the truth of the matter is this. You are not an emotional person. That's not at least what God created you for and intended you for. God created you to be an emotion-full person. That's who you are. An emotion-full person. God created your heart to actually be able to deal with the complexity of the intensity of all of those emotions that are going on at all times. God actually created your heart to be able to process that, to invite him into that, to invite others into that. We're going to look at what that looks like tonight. How do we be an emotion-full person? How is our church an emotionally full church where we do not pretend, but we are present with God and with each other. We don't pretend, but we're present with God and with each other, being fully emotionally present, emotion-full. I love what um, this uh, pastor, author, Peter Scazzaro says, and I believe it to be true. He says that emotional health and spiritual maturity are utterly inseparable. That true Maturity, growth, spiritual growth, and emotional health, emotionally full lives are utterly inseparable. You cannot be a spiritual giant and an emotional wreck. You cannot be. And you cannot be fully emotionally healthy without engaging God. The two are inseparable. In fact, they are even at times dependent on each other. To be emotion full, we have to engage God. I'll give you an example of what that looks like. If you have a Bible, open to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 8. 2 Samuel 6, verse 8. We'll put it up on the screens for you. 2 Samuel 6, verse 8. This is really interesting. We see David. Now, I want to give, um, give you context before we jump into that passage there. 2 Samuel 6, chapter 8. Context before we get into all this is this. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant. You've, you've all seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. Melting faces, the whole thing. Okay, Ark of the Covenant represented for the people of Israel the presence of God. Now, it, it represented God's blessing and presence with them, okay? And it had been taken. They had been sieged. It had been taken. It was no longer with 
the people. And so they were in a state of crisis, an identity crisis as a people. They did not have the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, in their proximity. And so David goes out to get it. He goes straight up A-team, and he puts a team together, a small team of about 30,000 men, and they go out to take it back and bring it back to the city of God, to the people of God, okay? So that's what's going on in the context. David actually gets the ark and is bringing it back, and they're having a party. It's like a traveling Mardi Gras, and there's people doing backflips, and there's flags involved. It's crazy. They're having a great time because the ark, the presence of God is now going to be represented. It's going to be present among the people in the city of God. But something happens. The party gets a little funky when, and it's, it's a, there's a lot of context here, but when a man named Uzzah reaches out because he thinks the ark is going to get off balance, and he touches it, and by touching it, he dies instantly. Now, we could spend all night trying to understand that, but it happened, and he dies instantly. And David, David brings his whole heart to God without fear. This is what happens if you look in Second Samuel. Then David was what? Oh, sorry, we already, I already gave you context. So those carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps. Uh, did we miss one? I feel like we missed one. Yeah, you guys got to go back. You missed one. You missed a couple there. We'll, I'll read it to you. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out, because Uzzah had died. You, did you get that? He says he was angry. He had no problem being angry before God. Because he saw this guy who thought he was trying to do good actually die. And they actually named that place where this guy Uzzah died. It says to this day, and it actually is a place, the place is called Perez Uzzah. That's actually a place you can find on the map where this man reached out and touched the ark and died. Perez Uzzah, loosely translated into your source for online celebrity gossip. Um, (laughs) So he's angry. Next verse says that David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark ever come to me. So we see David is angry in verse 8. He's afraid in verse 9. He's bringing his whole heart to God. He has no concern. He has no fear of God. He is full and says, no, I'm angry at you that this man died. And yet at the same time, I'm afraid because I don't think I am worthy. And what happens is for about three months, David goes into a, it just disappears. And we don't know exactly what happens, but the ark just stays where it was. They literally just kind of park it and leave it there. And David just sort of disappears. I don't know if he goes into a place of self-doubt. I don't know if he goes off into a place of where he continues to be angry or afraid of God. But that's where the ark stays, right in this one city where it stopped. But then David gets word that God is actually blessing the place where the ark is parked. And David begins to realize that God is not angry at him, that God is a just God. And David says, okay, look, I am going to pursue you again. And so what happens is uh, he moves on and David goes, uh, when it says back to the verse we saw a second ago, when those who are carrying the ark of the Lord, they start moving the ark forward. They start moving it forward from the place they were. And when they'd taken six steps... They stopped. So they got literally, I mean, you can imagine, because the guy just died three months ago from touching it. So they have it all rigged up. They take six steps, and they just stop and go, that's far enough for us to stop and be present with what we are feeling, which is praise and gratitude to God. And they stop right there, and they praise God. And then it says something very interesting. As they came into the city of Jerusalem, it says, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. When you see someone dancing with all their might, it is a sight to be seen. 
And while he and all Israel were bringing up the, the ark of the Lord, there were shouts and sounds of trumpets. And just so you know what a linen ephod is, I know it's not maybe something you might not be wearing one right now. It's basically your underwear. It's basically your inner, most inner garment. And what happens is David is so much in love with God and celebrating God because the presence of God is coming back to the people of God that he starts dancing so hard he gets down to his skivvies. Like he, and he is, dancing, he is dancing with all his might. And if you've watched some of the, like, the worst contestants on So You Think You Can Dance, it's like that. It's like, I'm going to dance bad, but I'm going to dance hard. Like, I'm going to let you see what's going on. He danced with all his might because he was present with what he was feeling in his heart towards God. He had no reservation to invite God fully into what was going on, present with all that he was feeling. This is not the only place that we see David doing this. Again and again, if you read the bulk of the Psalms, reveal someone who is fully present with his emotions before God. And we're going to look at just one. This is Psalm 43. Psalm 43. So you can flip over to Psalm 43. And this is what it says in Psalm 43. We just get a glimpse. We have a few verses to catch what David is saying here. Psalm 43. And I'm going to read from the the New Living Translation because I want you to, to hear these words. He says, Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. For you are God, my only safe haven. But look at what he says. Why have you tossed me aside? And David is not afraid to say to God, it feels as though you've rejected me because David's enemies were hounding him. They were on to him. They wanted nothing less than his blood. And David is crying out to God, why, why? Why would you let this happen? Where are you, God, in this? No hesitation or reservation to invite God in. Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. Because there I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my what? Joy. And I will praise you with my harp, O God, my God. Why am I discouraged? David, he is doing some self Analysis here. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Now, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Do you see what David is doing here? He is inviting God in to exactly what is going on inside his heart. That is what it looks like to love God with all your heart, is to be emotion-full, fully present with God, not pretending, but present with God. Read the Psalms. Look at the life of David. There are many others. Next to Jesus, David got this right the most in the Bible, to be fully emotionally present. Clearly, this matters to God because he gave you your heart. And he engages with you in your heart, your emotions, what it is that you're feeling. So what does it look like to do that? What does it look like to be emotion-full, fully present with God? I want to suggest a few things. Knowing that lists never do anything, this is truly only by the power of God intersecting your life and you committing to be fully present with him will you actually see transformation come from this. But I want to suggest a few things that have helped me and have helped others that I've learned along the way. And so if it would help you to write this down, I would encourage you to do so. To write down sort of a process to go, okay, how do I invite God in? How do I be more emotionful, fully present with my emotions? Here's the first one. And this is, again, we try and keep it as simple as possible around here at Soul City. First question to ask when you find yourself surprised or overwhelmed by whatever emotion it is to ask the question, what am I feeling? 
This sounds about as Stuart Smalley as it can get, like, what am I feeling right now? But it's very powerful to just stop for a second and go, okay, wait a second. What am I feeling? Why did I just fly off the handle and kick the lawnmower like that? That doesn't even make sense. Lawnmower didn't do anything to me. Why am I so angry right now? Why am I so sad right now? A friend just told me something that I should make me happy, and, but I find myself jealous of them. And it's deep, and I'm finding myself overwhelmed by it. Why am I so elated right now? What is going on inside? To just stop and say, what am I feeling right now? To be that honest, to start there. I know this sounds basic, but stay with it, because not many of us do this for some reason. Now, we have a friend who grew up in a house where his parents thought this was very important. And so our friend Craig was raised in a house where any time that, that he was acting up or his brother or sister was acting up, his mom would stop and say, Craig, I want you to halt. Which is, you know, it's a very specific word. I want you to halt right now, Craig. And I want you to tell me, are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? That was sort of, that was the emotional assessment that his mom put on to him and to the family. Halt! Are you hungry? Which is my favorite emotion, by the way. <laughs> hunger is probably my, that's a great emotion. I like feeling that. Hunger. Angry. That's legit. Lonely. That's legit. Tired. Yeah, I guess that's an emotion. I guess that's, so he kind of grew up in this whole thing and like about halt. Well, I'm not suggesting that you just do that. And I'm not suggesting that you just go back to this big long list that we looked at emotions, but to just stop for a second in that moment and go, wait a second. I just did this. I just, this literally just out, this came out of me. Where is it coming from? What am I feeling? And the next question leads right into that. Next question is, where is it coming from? Okay, what am I feeling and where is it coming from? What is going on behind the surface? Now, this is the harder work to do. It's one thing to stop and go, okay, what am I feeling? Why did I just do that? What's going on? Then to ask, okay, what's behind that? Where is, where is this coming from? And you can see in the Psalms again and again, David does this process where he says something out to God and then he kind of backs it up by going, because I feel like this, because I sense this, because it feels as though you've abandoned me, it feels as though God, and then he reminds himself of who God is. Where is this coming from in this moment? And I want to recommend a resource to you because we just don't have the time to go through all of this and its complexity tonight. But this is a book that has been extremely formative for our church, for me personally, for Jeannie personally, for many of our leaders around here. The book is called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's by Peter Schizero. And no, I can't spell it for you. Peter Schizero. Here's what we'll do. For those of you who bought the challenge, we'll text you out a link to buy this book. It's actually on our blog because it's that important. And he does a great job of walking through what's behind this. Where is this coming from? Lots of times those sort of emotions, those sort of things that we're feeling can come from just something that's going on just beneath the surface, right? It's like an iceberg, right? The thing where I acted out, the thing that I just felt, it's kind of like 5 or 10%. But there's something right below that that's going to... Sometimes, though, it's much, much, much deeper. And it goes back 5, 10, 15 years. And it's laced in with all kinds of other emotions, hurts, wounds, relationships. This is where the work of a book like this, the work of a good counselor, matters in our lives. Because we can't always untangle or understand that. 
but is the next most important question asked. What am I feeling? Where is this coming from? And to literally just stop and take a minute to do that. And then, and this is where, this is what separates self-help. This is where self-help surrenders to God. It's very good stuff, very good work. This is where it runs ashore. The next question is, who can I invite in? There are two that I would suggest people. First is God. What am I feeling? Why, Why did I just act that way? Okay, where is that coming from? What's behind that? And who can I bring in? God, how can I bring you into this? This is at the core of what it means to love God with all your heart. Not that you pretend to act perfectly, but you invite God in honestly. Not that you pretend to act perfectly, but you invite God in honestly. Say, God, I don't understand even all of this. I don't even know where all of this is coming from. Or I think I have an idea, God, because I grew up in a home where we did this, where we said this, where I learned this. Or, God, I just came out of a relationship, or I work for a boss that does this and says this. Okay, God, I'm inviting you in. I'm inviting you in to the parts that I understand and to the big old mess that I don't. Because I want to be fully present with you. I want to be emotion full. I want to give you full access to my heart. That's actually how you love God with your heart, is by giving him full access. I invite you in. God, what do you see? Where are you at? How can you care for me in this moment? How can you grow me? How can you, God, grow me from this thing? Whatever it is, positive and negative emotion, whatever it is, God, how is it that you're going to use this for my growth and your good? We invite God in. We invite God in. And we invite others in as well. Who else can I bring in? Who else can I bring in? Who needs to sort of know? Who can I bring in to understanding what is going on inside here? Who maybe can I bring in that can just be with me in it? Who can I bring in that's actually going to give me some wisdom or some truth or perspective that I can't see, that I don't have in and of myself, by myself? Who can I bring in? God, I want to bring you into this. And maybe it's a few others. This is why I love uh, that we have groups that do that at our church already, just nine weeks in. We just finished our first round of small groups. And the idea is really simple. It would just be a safe circle for you to invite others in and for you to step in to the life, to the story, to the emotions, to the heart of others. And then sometimes it happens really deep and profound ways, and sometimes it doesn't yet. And that's okay. That's part of the process. But I'm so glad that as a church we are committed to not pretending, but to saying, no, we want to invite God and invite others in. And this happened to a group that I was in, the last run of small groups that we did. Uh, A couple of us guys that are in this group... Some of us married, some of us dating, some of us single. And uh, one of the guys, the guys who's single, uh, was just real honest one night. We were saying, you know, how can we pray? How can we pray for you? What's, you know, and just had a great group. And he just did this. He was emotion full. He said, you know, I'm going to be real honest with you guys. I'm just feeling really lonely right now. And this is a guy who's a very emotionally healthy, centered guy, right? He's very honest and in touch with what's going on inside. And he said, he just said, I just feel really lonely. It was right around the start of Christmas time. He's like, yeah, it's Christmas time. Everyone's got parties, dates, doing that whole thing. And I just am feeling it right now. I'm just feeling really lonely. And I'm telling you guys, that's a powerful thing for you just to say that, to admit that. And what's the crazy thing is this. You actually, you know, are in touch with and you are aware of and you are fully present with your emotions. Here's the crazy thing. Uh, girls like that. 
I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> Girls like that. And so for him to be fully emotionally present with God and with us, to invite us and God in, and for us to come right around and say, dude, I'm not going to give you answers. I'm not going to give you a verse that says that you don't have to be alone or afraid anymore for thy God is with you. I'm not going to do that right now. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be with you right now because you've entrusted and brought me in, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray that you would know more fully and deeply in your heart that God is with you and for you. And you have a couple guys around the circle who are doing the same. It's it's that simple. It's that powerful. Who do I need to invite in? I hit it this last week. And I thank God I was able to bring Jeannie in. And I have another friend who I'm bringing in to say, I just hit a wall where I was like, man, I just, I'm feeling like, you know, I couldn't get anything done right. No matter how hard I tried, I just kept hitting this wall of like, so I began to feel feelings of failure. Like, man, what's going on? And I don't ever fail. And so, <laughs> and so feeling that and saying, I, I know what I need to do. Even as I'm preparing these notes and writing these notes, I'm going, I know exactly what I need to do. God, what's going on here? What's beneath the surface? There were a couple triggers, a couple things that happened that week where I said, okay, God, I want to invite you into that. Went to Jeannie with it. Have another friend that I'm going to with it. Because I know that if I sort of just try and manage this on my own, I am going to just be a seeming, like, teeming sea of emotions bouncing and splashing all over the place. That's not what I want to offer God, and that's not what I want to offer you. I want to be fully emotionally present with God, with you. Because I believe, I believe it's true, that spiritual growth and tr- spiritual transformation and emotional health and emotional growth, they are directly connected. And our church is committed to both. To both. And so... Here's what we want to do. We want to give you the opportunity to step into that right now. Here's what we want to do. Uh, in front of you, in the little seat back, there's an index card and a pen. Would you reach forward and grab the index card and the pen that's in front of you? And I'm going to ask the band to come back up right now, and we're going to take a few seconds to actually walk through this idea, to really be fully emotionally present, to actually start loving God with all our heart tonight. And it actually can start in a simple little exercise like this. What would it look like for you right now to ask those questions? I'm going to put them back up here. To think through, my hunch is this weekend or this week, you were surprised or overwhelmed or caught off guard by something that you were feeling, something going on inside your heart. You were troubled, you were heavy by something going on inside your heart. True? If you're human, the answer is yes, probably, if you're being honest. And so what we want to spend the next few minutes doing is just inviting God and doing this process. It's not magical. I, I, I don't even know. This, these questions aren't even spiritual in and of themselves. But God may be using them right now. And this actually may become a tool for you for 2011 to love God with all your heart. Is to say, okay, what was I feeling? What is it that I'm feeling? Maybe it's even right now in this moment. You feel overwhelmed or occupied or preoccupied in your heart with something. Write it down. Write that first question. What am I feeling? Next question, where is it coming from? Where is that coming from? And try as best you can in the five minutes that we have right now to just go, okay, where is that coming from? Why am I feeling? Why am I acting that way? And then that next question, that last question, which is so important, who can I invite in? God, I want to invite you into this. I'm telling you, this so often is the breaking point that leads to transformation. I want to invite you into this, God, not to try and pretend, not to try and manage on my own. 
not to just be a ship without a rudder when it comes to my emotions, but to be emotion-full, to believe that you gave me a heart that can actually handle the complexity of the intensity of the emotions that go on inside of it, and that I can love you by inviting you into it, God. So we're going to ask that every single person in this room start and do this at least today. And then here's the thing. It may become a tool for you that you do on your own little three-by-five card, that you do in your phone, that you do on your laptop. You just check in. Maybe it's part of you have a morning prayer or an evening prayer routine. This is just five minutes of it to go, okay, what was going on today? How can I understand what I was feeling, what was going on in my heart? Where is it coming from? Who can I invite in? And I love that, that idea of inviting God in and inviting someone else. So here's what I encourage you to do. Maybe there's a name that God puts in your heart. Say, so, you know, I need, to talk to, I need to talk to this person about it. Just, just so they know. Or maybe they can help. Or maybe you just write down small group. You know that you just need, you don't know who it is, and maybe there isn't a who. And so you know, man, the next step for me is going to be to sign up for a group where I get around a group of people where I can begin to do this. And this is what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, is to invite him into all of it. So let me pray for you, and let's spend the next few moments doing that together. God, thank you that you gave us a heart and that you actually care about it, God. If you were only a God of rules, you would care nothing about our hearts, but you were a God of dynamic relationship with us. And you are inviting us into a relationship where we can be fully honest with you, where we can actually invite you into the messy parts and not fear you running away, but knowing and believing, God, that you will even come in closer. And God, you've created us with a capacity to really live fully from our hearts, to invite others in as well. That's what we want to do, God. I pray that, God, for some of us, this is a very hard exercise. We've never done anything like this before in our life. That you would give us the courage and even the words to begin to ask those questions and to just see where you show up in the process. Thank you, God, that you not only care about our heart, but you long to grow our heart this year. You want to see our heart full this year. And we want the same, God. We want that to be true of us. So just lead us in these next few moments as we ask these three questions, God. And we will, with our hearts as best we can, declare honestly to you what we believe to be true about who you are and who you've created us to be. In your name, because of your great love, amen.